much to handle. Her identity is a trans woman. What the f did I just even say? Hey, all you people. Hey, all you people. Won't you listen to me? Hi, I'm Maura Van Dank, and you're watching episode 32 of Murder's a Drag. Maybe a different number if you're just on the videos you weren't in the podcast era, but 32 overall. That's what's important. This week, I'm going to explain my little breaky break that I took. As you know from the episode prior, I was a California girl doing California girl things. So I decided to take a breaky break, a vacation vacationy in California, chilling with my mans, doing fun stuff, exploring around. If you saw and noticed that the week prior to last's episode was green screen background, you'll notice it's not anymore. I'm interacting with my background. I was taking some time to focus on being the California girl doll that I was, and it paid off. I also took extra time to research and find a really worthwhile case for this week. Uh, not that any of my other cases aren't worthwhile. Maybe I should. I also took extra time to research and study to find a case for this week. I wanted to take my extra time off to also look into a case a little more deeply than I usually get the opportunity to. And I was also on the Who Invited Her podcast being interviewed. Super fun. Those guys are great. They're hilarious. You should definitely check out their podcast. It's available everywhere and also out at TV where I am. Those guys are great. I had a great time being interviewed. It was a cool episode. You should watch it slash listen to it. Four years ago in 2016, Alicia was a 25-year-old transgender woman living in Pakistan. She was working for a group called TAA, also known as the Transgender Action Alliance, in the Haber Pakhtunkhwa province of Pakistan. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I looked it up. I tried. I did. She was brutally killed and then further mocked at the hospital where she lied dying for three days, receiving minimal help and ridiculous amounts of harassment and inappropriate behavior from staff. After three days of suffering, she died and became another unwilling statistic for the amount of transgender people being murdered in Pakistan, specifically in the Khabar Pakhtunkhwa province. Alicia became the 45th person that year to be murdered in her province alone, many of them from that TAA, the Transaction Alliance group that she worked for. She was the 45th in only a two-year period. That eyebrow got out of control really fast and took no prisoners. Wow. Okay. Moving on. In 2009, Pakistan's Supreme Court recognized the third gender being transgender legally in the entire country's law. And as big of a victory and as validating as it was to have their gender recognized by law in their country, transgender people in Pakistan were no safer than they were before that law was passed. And that was a very real fact for a lot of people, and that included Alicia. And I think that's what made her really take off in her activism. Even though minds and hearts are opening and changing worldwide, it's a really slow process, and a lot of places aren't changing or are taking far much longer, far longer than other places. And there are still conservative sections of every country. Here we have the Bible Belt. Pakistan has the Northeast, which is their conservative area. And the Northeast of Pakistan happened to be where Alicia lived. There's really little to no information about Alicia's life growing up, and I think that might be due in part to the fact that her parents abandoned her at a very young age because of her transgender identity. When she discovered her identity as a trans woman, she abandoned her dead name and abandoned her dead identity 
and changed her name to just Alicia. And as fierce as that is, it's not all due to just ferocity. Trans people giving themselves only one name in Pakistan is a common practice because it gives them a very important and very much needed sense of anonymity so that they can live their lives as safely as possible and have their identities and be able to claim those but still be safe at the same time. Very much like here in the US, a lot of trans people end up disowned by their families based on their identity and they'll end up living under pretty harsh circumstances and sometimes even experiencing homelessness. This leads a lot of trans women to get into the profession of dancing in Pakistan, which isn't exactly what you might be picturing for dancing right now. It's more about the performance value, it's, it's at family functions, it's at in public, it's not like darkroom dancing, but there's definitely places. There's definitely places, and a lot of the times that becomes popular among trans women too, because you need to make money, you're living on the street, and there's a demand from these men who will pay lots of money to sleep with you, so. And that's what Alicia did, and she would be booked to dance at different events, for different men, different days, you know, making money, making moves, hustling around, and she was making a lot of money. She was doing really well for herself, and she was said to always work really hard to grind and do what she had to do to live the way she wanted to live. She did really well as a dancer, too, because she had this aura about her that exuded confidence and, like, sexiness, so she really made a good living dancing. She made a lot of dollar bills. Alicia had a close-knit group of friends, most of whom were also trans women, and she was very, very active in different organizations who were fighting for trans rights in Pakistan. Alicia was also a very independent person, like I said, and she worked hard for what she had, and she got all of that on her own terms by herself. And it was never easy for her, but she always kept a really positive outlook and always had an almost fairy tale outlook on life and what her life could be. Her main goal was to maintain this sense of stability that she'd found with her new friends and her new family that she had made since she'd come out and come into her person. And amidst all else going on in the world, in her country, in her town, in her own life, in her organization, like I said, Alicia was able to keep a fairy tale outlook on everything and that included the dream of falling in love with Prince Charming. Not gonna lie, honey, me too. Me too. I wanted the castle, I want the bippity-boppity-boo, I want the horse, the pumpkin, everything, okay? I find that so inspiring because being on the front lines like she was, she knew that from the year 2014, when Alicia really started to pick up her activism, 40-plus trans women, many of them from the very same organization that she worked for, had been murdered in her province alone and 300 plus transgender women had been attacked, brutalized, or raped in the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province. I really hope I'm saying that right or else I sound really dumb, but that's what I'm talking about. Within that two year period alone, it's terrifying, but she still had that positive and optimistic outlook. She seemed to truly have no fear. She just wanted love and she was gonna do what it took to get that. Alicia had allegedly been in contact with a man named Fazar Fazal Gujar and a friend of hers, Kamar Nazim, explained that the relationship might have been something that happens often in Pakistan where a man will kidnap, brutalize, and rape a transgender woman, record it all, and then threaten them to release the traumatizing footage that would also out them as transgender to the general public unless that person pays them money. So they were referred to as 
the blackmailers, and this would happen very often, specifically in the area where Alicia lived, and this is thought to be the relationship that Fazal had with Alicia. This is a definition of trust in the process. It's not clear how Fazal and Alicia first met, but it's definitely clear that he was extorting money from her. Lots of the reports that I was reading referred to Fazal as Alicia's Maroc, which is a Pashto word for partner, boyfriend, significant other, basically, and I have a very hard time believing that. The only relationship that I saw from my research and what I've studied from what her friends had said to reports, the only relationship there was extortion and blackmail. That was all that Fazal had to do with Alicia. He just wanted the money because, maybe because she was high profile in this situation and a high profile activist in the area. For whatever reason, it was extortion. Alicia told friends that she'd been spending an excessive amount of money on Fazal and he had been telling friends the exact opposite that Alicia was in debt to him, approximately the same as $14,000 US money. And Alicia said that that just was not the case, that she'd been working hard and spending that hard-earned money on Fizal when they had first met. And things turned quickly into extortion, obviously, because she had been giving him all that money and he'd been extorting all that money from her. It really is a tangled web of lies and it's hard to kind of unravel them because the reporting wasn't great, didn't make a very cohesive story. It didn't take being a high-profile victim to be targeted and made a victim of one of these extortion schemes, and the fact that Alicia was high-profile definitely leads me to believe that's what happened in this situation. It's also unclear just how long that extortion went on for, but we do know that by April of 2016, things had started to come to a head because Fizal began making violent demands and getting violent with Alicia. Alicia was not complying with his violence because she was a pretty fearless person and wasn't going to allow him to extort her. She wasn't afraid of being outed as transgender because she was already a proud out trans woman who was fighting in the activist realm of things, in the media realm of things, so she was a very visibly trans woman and that wasn't a threat that he could pull on her and that made him very upset. On May 22nd, 2016, outside of her one-bedroom apartment in Peshawar, Pakistan, Alicia noticed the gang of blackmailers who usually came over to that section to harass trans women coming her way, but this time she recognized Fazal in the group and he had a gun. Shots began to ring out all through the apartment complex, about an entire magazine worth of shots, and Alicia fell to the ground having been shot eight times. Fazal rode away on his motorcycle with the rest of the group, and that was the last anybody saw of him until the inevitable. The commotion and chaos that ensued from the gunfire was far from the last of the chaos that would be experienced during this awful situation. Alicia was critically injured, having been struck eight times, but was still very much alive and very much in pain. She was rushed to one of the oldest medical establishments in Pakistan, Lady Reading Hospital, other trans activists, including Kamar, came with her. Her good friend Paro, who was also a transgender woman, came with her as well, and a few other transgender women who were also activists accompanied her to the hospital to make sure that she was safe, because no trans woman should be left alone in an emergency. When she arrived at the hospital, the harassment picked up tenfold. 
As soon as they walked in the doors, they were berated and harassed by staff, asking them if they were dancers, how much they charged, asking if their breasts were real, asking them for phone numbers, home addresses, making them feel very unsafe in a very vulnerable time when they're trying to save their friend's life who is bleeding out in front of them. All the while, any time any question was close to answered, the answer was that they didn't know where to put Alicia because she didn't qualify as male or female for either ward in the hospital and that they were trying to get a private room. She was laying in a hallway on a bed dying and this is what they were being told while being harassed. They were harassing Alicia and her friend. Farzana Jan is the president of one of the chapters of the organization that Alicia worked for, and she remembers specifically running through the hospital and being chased by employees, harassing her, berating her, and asking her inappropriate questions while she was trying to find a room or a nurse or a doctor that would actually help her friend that was bleeding out. She highlighted that the culture in Pakistan allows for trans women to be respected while they're working and being booked as dancers and being made into this act. Farzana said, These people don't laugh at us when they book us for their shows and family functions, but they laugh at us when we, like any human being, are going through some trouble. They were being laughed at while their friend was dying when that past Tuesday they were performing for these people at their house for their child's birthday party. It's a very sad, blind, an ignorant sort of practice. After well over an hour of that hell, Alicia was finally placed into a private room, but having spent that much time untreated, stressed, and harassed, the damage was irreparable. And on May 25th, 2016, Alicia passed away due to the internal bleeding inflicted by eight gunshot wounds to her body. People were rightfully pissed because it was a very preventable murder from the attack to the treatment, and nothing was done to save her. In the days before she succumbed to her wounds, Alicia was able to gather the strength and wherewithal to tell police who her murderer was, and she named Fazal Gujar. She also told police how he had been blackmailing her and trying to extort money from her, and she described the harassment in the months leading up to her eventual attack. As more details kind of started to present themselves as this case progressed, the relationship between Fazal and Alicia and what exactly they were doing together became very clear. In the weeks leading up to her murder, Fazal had been trying to, surprise surprise, extort money from Alicia, and when she refused to pay him, he came to her house and murdered her. That practice of the blackmailing and extortion and the shitty practices of the hospital that she was taken to are entirely to blame for Alicia's death that was very much preventable and she absolutely could have been saved in the three days that she was at that hospital. In July of 2019, Fazal was sentenced to death, and it was a very big deal in Pakistan, and in this province specifically, because it was the first time that capital punishment was used against someone who had murdered or assaulted or brutalized a transgendered person. Although Alicia's life was tragically short and she dealt with abandonment from her family and all of the hardships that she did, she found a family quickly in her queer community in Pakistan. She worked hard to provide for herself and those that she loved, and she did so much important activism work before and even after her life was taken. Whether or not she knew it or knows it, she did, and she made a huge difference in Pakistan and in the world in general.
It's a very interesting deep dive into the life of trans people in Pakistan. And I got a lot of that information from the News International um, in an article by Akhtar Amin. In an LA Times article by Zulfikar Ali and Shashank Bengali. A diplomat article by Umar Ali and Frontline Defenders information on their website, just general information. And I recommend that you go to all of those sources and research some information about the life of trans folks in Pakistan because it's really, really interesting and it's a little um, surprising, honestly. It's time to get transformative. Are you ready to get transformative? Let's get transformative. It's time to get transformative. Transformation station. What's your equation? And that's the finished look for this week. This wig traveled well. She came with me to California, and she still traveled well. She came back in one piece. That's good. I hope that you guys actually got some kind of a scope of what it means to be queer around the world in this video. It's not easy here, but it's far more difficult and different elsewhere. Definitely important to research, look into it, see how queer people around the world are coping, see how they're being treated if they're getting rights, because there's far more rights in Pakistan for trans people than you would think there are. Not to say that it's a good situation, but it's much better than I had pictured in my head from whatever ignorance that stemmed from. Like I said earlier, I was on an episode of the Who Invited Her podcast, so make sure to go over there and subscribe to them, like them, follow them, watch the episode that I was on, listen to it, whatever you want to do. It's kind of like this, I'm a podcast, I'm a video, I'm whatever I want to be. We're whatever we want to be at Out at TV, okay? That's our motto, that's our logo. I'll pitch it to them, we'll see what happens. I enjoy the alien fantasy I'm feeling, I don't know why I feel alien, but I do. I think it's the big forehead and the green eyeshadow. Momo, beep beep, toot toot. Beep beep. Who got the keys to my cheese? Anyway, whoever has the keys to my cheese, please come forward and tell me. Other than that, I hope that you guys have a fantastic week. And I'm gonna get to editing this video right now. So, four hours later and I'll post it. Okay? <laughs> okay. I love you guys. Mm.